We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Let's make Vision Zero a reality in D.C. Almost half of D.C.'s traffic fatalities come from impaired driving. These deaths are 100% preventable. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. Never drive impaired. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drugged drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. A message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Sock Radio. This is Derek C. Paul, my co-host, my partner in crime, former Los Angeles Rams defensive back, Michael Stewart. Mike, I am in a great mood tonight. I'm a little frisky as well. I want to hear your thoughts. How you doing, dude? Hey, man, I'm doing great, man. Just uh, ready to get into it after a great weekend and 
especially with this Hall of Fame as well. So, man, I'm I'm excited as well. Hall of Fame. The 49ers lose the Super Bowl. If the Rams can't be there, hey, if it's an NFC West team, especially the 49ers, I can be happy about that too, by the way, right? I can be a little happy about that. Yeah, 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 of course. I'm, I mean, I know you are. I know you I'm, are. I'm ecstatic about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's okay. We're allowed to have a little bit of bias there. The 49ers, the team that we love to hate here. And I'll tell you what, it actually was a good game. It was a good game. Real good got, game. Absolutely. I got thoughts on it. Definitely. We got some thoughts later on that. But before we do, folks, we want to let you know that we are a podcast that has been sponsored by Jim Hawk in this book hall. We've seen for a long time now. Go check it out. Also, we're available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Apple Music. Jeez, what is it? Oh, yeah. iHeartRadio and Spotify. We're everywhere. Everywhere. Okay. And don't forget, we're still doing this. It's been a long time coming. But if you want that personalized Rams jersey, head over to Apple Music. Leave a five-star review if you think we're worthy of it. Okay, let's just be honest. If you think that we do good work over here and keep trying to do even better work, leave that five-star review and send us a screenshot of it. Because it's got to be written out. Can't be one of those click on five stars and be done. you got to actually write this baby out. Send us an email with a screenshot to ramstop1945 at gmail.com. It'll enter you in, and then we'll read it on the air. So, Mike, first things first, the important thing for Rams fans this weekend, Isaac Bruce goes into the Hall of Fame about time. I've been frustrated now for a couple years not seeing him go when he's in. What are your thoughts on it? Just an exciting time, man. It's just great to see a guy who's worked hard, you know, from his days at junior college out here, West L.A. and Santa Monica, you know, on his way to Memphis to, you know, get to this place in life in regards to all over recognition. And all over recognition, even down to finally that big enshrinement, you know, Rams Talk will be there come this summer to cover it. We'll be there in person because I live nearby and we'll cover the whole proceedings, you know, and I'm a little frustrated, though. Because even that? after, well, because even after all this is done, there are people who question it. The guy's yeah. fifth all time in receiving yards, fifth all time, and there are still people who question the fact that he got in, that he deserved it. Blows well, my mind. Funny is he's he's fifth all time, but there were a number of years where the Rams were not no time. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I mean, it's you true. think of it from a, a standpoint of, you know, it wasn't like he played all his years, you know, 16 seasons on 16 stellar, you know, great teams, you know, somewhat as Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady's career has pretty much been, you know, they've been in the hunt every single year pretty much. So when you take that into consideration, this is a guy who deserved it because he earned it. He did. And Kurt Warner did a really good job, by the way, of making sure that the whole case was made for him. And I think he pointed out several big things. He pointed out the fact that who was he was the offensive role. I pointed out that once Torrey Holt and all these guys came along, he was splitting snaps, he was splitting routes. The greatest route runner he's ever seen. 
people don't realize how good he could have been had he actually spent time being the number one guy instead of sharing the load. I mean, you're, you're talking close to what Kurt Warner says. Jerry Rice numbers at the end. It was what could have been. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you have uh, better players, more options on offense, you're, you're spreading the ball around. You know, it's different when you just have one or two feature guys, even though other guys know that they're going to get the ball. They have the ability because of skill level to still get open and get their catches or get their runs in or if they're a running back, you know, or we look at the the tight end for, for the Niners, you know, still had a pretty good day for a tight end. So, you know, guys like that, they'll find a way to get uh, their numbers. But in this case, when you're spreading it around to three, four, five people, it's really tough. So, again, for a guy to go through lean years, to go through when you had multifaceted, multi-talented players at the skill positions and still be able to put up those type of numbers, that's impressive. It's also impressive just because in today's world where players get hurt a lot, now Isaac had his fair share of injuries, by the way, which cost some stats. He still made it an awful long time. An awful long time in the league. We're talking 1994 all the way to 2009. You deserve credit for that. You really do. And it's a shame that folks don't realize the longevity it took for him to overcome all the different injuries, all the the different problems that he had that he went through, you know. It's just I mean, it's just ridiculous to me. It really is. It's just ridiculous that that's how things are going to be. Unbelievable. Yeah, and it's 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 really just sad in the sense that you just always have people that want to be more negative than happy. So that's if if you're a Ram fan, right, and you bleed the golden blue, then anything that happens positive to any one of the players that played, no matter what era, history, what have you, you're gonna have some joy that you would. So you would think. So it's just just uh, a little disheartening for. You know, there's always, I guess that's human nature as well. I mean, you can say yes or no or be in or out. But at the same time, you would just figure that these type of things are kind of once in a lifetime situations. You know, I put in 10 years, nowhere near I'm going to be in the Hall of Fame. So to know that a guy is actually in there and enshrined that people from here on out go go by and, and maybe even go back and look up who Isaac Bruce was. But it's a pretty big deal. It is. And it's also a big deal for the Rams organization as well. Another member of the Grand Show on Turf goes into the Hall of Fame. And now it's just down to Torrey Holt. And I think it might take him a little longer. Looking at the guys who are coming up, the guys who are going to be shoe-ins as first-timers, some of the leftovers he has to compete with that are still there. It may be a couple years before he's in. And he's got Reggie Wayne right next to him now on that list. I think Torrey's next receiver to go in, but Reggie's not too far off. I'm really interested to see how the the entire committee assesses Torrey Holt in relation to the other candidates come up because something that Howard Balzer, and I've been critical of Howard Balzer, by the way, uh, who was the representative for 
both Holt and Bruce, something he mentioned on Twitter yesterday was you're not really hearing arguments against anybody because these are all great players at this point. It's making arguments for somebody. And in this case, you could have 15 great arguments. You're only getting five in. You're only getting five in. So sooner or later, I mean, how long do you think it'll be for Torrey Holt to get in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, that's a great question because, again, it depends on draft class, depends on what's kind of going on that year, depends on, obviously, the voters would be pretty much the same. But, yeah, we'll see. But it shouldn't be too many more years uh, regardless of who the competition or who the potential uh, candidates are. And there's also the perception of these players, like even for Isaac Bruce. I love this man. Oh boy, we, we really went at this, you know, on Twitter. When Isaac Bruce was elected, right away the argument started coming out. Right away, the argument started coming out that Isaac Bruce wasn't even the quote unquote the best receiver on his team. Tory Holt was way better. I'm, I'm quoting George at Too Tall Dur. Um, Bruce was just consistently average over 16 years. There's, that's his argument. Now, we blow it out of the water. A lot of people blew it out of the water because of things like what Kurt Warner said and the fact that, you know, when you look at the entire body of Bruce's resume, the guy played for like seven, played with like 17 quarterbacks in his career. Some crazy number like that. Look at all the Rams quarterbacks he had to play with. He didn't have the luxury of one guy. Lord knows what would have happened had he had Kurt Warner that entire career. But that's not what happened. He he played with everybody from Chris Chandler to Chris Miller. I mean, those are the quarterbacks you had. And by the way, Chandler at his prime was decent, but not the time when he had him there. Chris Miller was decent, got hurt. Tony Banks. He didn't make it. He was supposed to be the next quarterback, you know, for the Rams. Didn't make it all in the football. Nice guy, but couldn't, he couldn't do it. These are these were his quarterbacks. And then later on, towards the end, you know, Jamie Martin got some starts in there. Right. I mean, these, these didn't always have Kurt Warner, and Mark Bolger just got beat up a Bolger. lot. Yeah, a decent quarterback. Really, actually, he probably could have been really, really good in this league. Really smart guy, but they didn't protect him more than anything. So, they got ripped off. But you're going to have somebody... By the way, and this is a Steelers fan acting like this. Listen, sit down. Lynn Swan's in the Hall of Fame. Stop it. If you're going to come to other teams and talk and talk trash about their Hall of Famers, Lynn Swan's in the Hall of Fame. Right. doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. I'm, I'm sorry, it doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. Oh, Lynn Swan? I'll argue it every day. Oh, why not? Because outside of the Super Bowl performance, where do his numbers match up? And, and, and believe it or not, Mike, the craziest thing of all, the nuttiest thing of all that, of all the people to make that argument, the person who made the argument is Mike Florio, a guy who I loathe in the industry. But he, I have to go credit where credit is due. Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk made this argument f- four years ago. With Lynn Swan. Okay? And 
And people realize, yes, it was a different generation. So he's 222nd as of 2016 on the all-time receiving yards list. 222nd. Right, but that's where, you know, I think the Hall of Fame goes into more than just stats. Okay, sure, sure, sure. But let me throw these at you. Okay. Go ahead. He got his Super Bowls, right? Yes, he He's did. known for that big catch, right? Yes, he is. All right, so here you go. But throwing the numbers at you, the, the main argument, though, is it was a different age. It was a different time. A different age, a different time. So the yardage shouldn't be counted against him. Yet, have you ever heard of Jerry Smith? I can't say that I have. Oh, okay. He was 221 the list. Okay. <laughs> Five, four, nine, six. Hey, how about this guy? Chris Burford. Burford. No, never heard of him. Oh, 219 the list. So he's ahead of Lynn Swan. Played from 1960 to 1967. Hey, how about this one? Ray Renfro. Definitely heard of Renfro. Okay. 1952. To 1963, completely different age, an older age, had more yardage. Max Speedy, I'm taking this right from Florida's article. I'll link it in the show notes. Max Speedy, heard of him? Never heard of him. That's because he played from <laughs> 1946 to 1952, 5,602 yards. Danny Abramowitz, 201, right? 201. 1967 to 74. Gail Cogdill, that's a heck of a name. 198th ranked, 1960 to And this is when Lynn Swan was making the argument about Calvin Johnson maybe not going to the Hall of Fame. And this is not an attack on Lynn, by the way. Okay. But if you're a Steelers fan talking to anybody about the Rams or any team's wide receivers not deserving to be in the Hall of Fame, I'm going to say, dude, there's a really, really good argument for Lynn Swan not to be there. I'm not saying he shouldn't, yeah, I by mean, the way. Yeah, and, and again, there's all kinds of if ands and things and scenarios that can come into play. I think that he's in there because he made plays in the biggest time that you need plays to be made. That's the Super Bowl. But he also played with a slew of receivers, running backs, and other things that were going on when they weren't as throwing the ball as much and the deception of yardage and catches can be a little deceiving in the sense that you think that oh these just yards but sometimes you're behind in games and that's the reason why yardage is put up so I think all things considered yeah if you just looking at it from a statistical standpoint those guys that you name why aren't they in well I mean and by the way and you're right and again I'm not arguing that Lynn Swan shouldn't be it. I'm saying, if you want, you can make a really good argument that he shouldn't. And I need to go back and, and correct myself True. because when I first said that, I'm, I'm so fired up. I say he doesn't belong. That's not the case. I don't. One, he's there. It doesn't change anything. My point is not that he shouldn't be there. It really is, should be that you can make a darn good case he shouldn't be there because the numbers are just there. They're just blah. But you can also counter with what you're saying. And. It's the same thing we're saying about Bruce. Bruce 
Look who he had with him. Tory Holt for a chunk of his career. Marshall Falk. Oz Hakeem. I mean, those are those are people who built numbers up. But then also, what's different? I'd say look at 1995 through 1998. When he was the offense. And when he was hurt during a few of those years for a few games, that offense was nothing without him. Nothing. But when he was hey, there on the no- field... Yeah, no arguments there. So, yeah, I, I agree with all those those points. And it's just interesting that, you know, when we talk about Hall of Fame and we talk about even Pro Bowls and things like that, there's always cases that can be made, as you alluded to, on both sides on mm-hmm. should a guy be in or should another guy be in over him and why this guy before that guy. And so that's why it's interesting because – Human air, human nature, you know, what goes into the guys that are voting when it comes down to the criteria that they actually use and do they stick to that or does it still ultimately come out to be if I had a personal connection with you, I vote yes. I don't know. I mean, what I was told me years ago is these guys make deals, right? You know, we'll vote your guy in this year you, in exchange you vote if you vote with us and next year. You know, you vote now for our guys. We'll vote for your guy next year. And I mean, I think that's a major reason why they don't release a lot of the of what goes on those because you have wheeling and dealing going on, right? I bet you they don't. I, I mean, bet you they don't, and that's yeah. the reason why. Absolutely. Well, there's got to be wheeling and dealing back there, you know. And we've talked about that. I believe that too. I mean, I'm the per people who talk to me about it. I believe them. Let's just say that. So I, I just. I look at Tory Holt and say, dude, the eight years in a row that he had that was phenomenal, and really he wasn't too far off his rookie year. During that time frame, if you were to try and make the argument that he was not one of the top three or four receivers in the league, then I'd say you're a moron. Because he was. Tory was amazing. Imagine how good Tory or Isaac Bruce would have been in the greatest show on turf, if they were turf, if they were definitively the number one receiver instead of sharing snaps, it's just unbelievable to me that that has to even be a discussion or argument. So you know, again, if you're still if you're a Steelers fan, sit down on this because you got people who in the Hall of Fame who are there are legitimate question marks. You know, there's no need to jump in there and and uh, have that discussion. Have something else I want to ask you too about Mike. And I really, I, you had the, you, oh, you know where I'm going, don't you? Because we talked a little <laughs> bit before. <laughs> you jumped in on this conversation on Twitter. Um, yesterday there was a tweet, and I'm going to, I'm going to name the person. I'm going to be fair to this person and name them because, the, you know, if I'm going to hammer a little bit, I need to be honest and at least let folks know who they are I'm hammering. And it was... Um, Let's see here. Where, where, where Where's the tweet? Where's that tweet at? Because I was, uh, let's just say we were a little argumentative yesterday with this during the Super Bowl. Mike Claiborne from, um, he's at Claibs online. Okay, and I go to find out later on. This guy's actually been a, a long-time journalist. If you you can look at his account, he's got a site, uh, a website, ClaibsOnline.com. A long time, a long time journalist out in the St. Louis area. And I want to stress a couple of things before we get into this. And I know, I know Mike, that you'll agree. Um, this isn't 
towards any person in St. Louis as we get into this conversation. I want don't don't think for a minute that that uh, we are trying to insult anybody, any one person in St. Louis. Losing your team is not fun. We went through. Many of us did when the team left LA. Many of us stuck with the team when they were in St. Louis. You know, we nobody wants to see fans get hurt. Um, but Mike Claiborne, uh, been in the journal's business since 1981. That's what he says in his bio. Okay. Um, he he posts up when the news comes out. He posts that. <laughs> Dear Stan, just a reminder, quote, unquote, it's all quotes here. Isaac Bruce is a St. Louis Ram. He came with a team you took out of St. Louis. He's ours forever. So you and the squirrel dim off. Let us enjoy this without, with seeing you with, I guess it means without, seeing you in that idiot too much. Okay. So... We have our reply. I want to hear yours first because I, I tend to, you know, we know once I get going, I'll get going. So what are your thoughts here? <laughs> well, my, my thoughts are simply this. If, in fact, uh, Ram fam, Ram reporter, Ram whomever, if we have a guy, what would be considered our team who gets in, that's a win. And so that should be something we support it. You know, obviously – you know, if the guy might have murdered someone and gets in or something, maybe that's a little bit different story. But for someone like Isaac Bruce, who's been great on and off the field, just doesn't seem like especially a guy with his acumen that would just be, you know, so negative, it seems. I mean, but I mean, you played for the Rams in L.A. Yeah. And you noted this in a reply back. In particular, as a player, how do you feel about, you know, someone saying, hey, leave this person with us in the city and he's not he's not yours? Right. I mean, it's just it's just interesting on just that thought process. You know, like I was saying off air, you know, I played seven years. Does that mean I'm not a Ram if they were still in St. Louis? Or the guys who played in St. Louis, are they no longer Rams that now they're in L.A.? That just doesn't really make any sense to say, oh, well, he was ours. He was here for this number of years. He's ours. Okay, well, claim him. He can be yours and he can be ours as well. So I, I just feel like uh, Isaac's done an outstanding job, one, being patient and then two, you know, just finally getting what he so uh, deservedly deserved. So I have a, I mean, I, for the fans and for anybody out there in St. Louis, I have total understanding about how that you would feel this way. Okay. It's inaccurate because in the end, St. Louis fans for a long time paid the bill, um, for going to games, buying merchandise, enabling the team to make money and, and pay for their players. But on the same token, the, the, the signatures on the paycheck aren't the St. Louis people or the fans. The signature says the owner of the team. Because the team drafted them, the team paid in the contract, and with all that in mind, 
He's not owned a, a he's not owned by anybody, by the way. That sounds very you know what I'm thinking right. on this advance. That sounds very slavish here. No, he's no, okay. You're not owned by anybody, but you wore the horns, man. There's a certain pride in wearing the uniform. Absolutely. And, and having well, there's history that comes with it. You know? And whether you're an LA player or or a St. Louis player and, and hey, I did play one year in LA. Um He's a, he's a part of that team's history. So when somebody comes on there and says, "Well, you don't have a you don't have a claim to him," a you don't own him, but b um, there's no there's no reason to even to have this argument because it's not a a single it's not a single thing. The fans in St. Louis can and should enjoy seeing Isaac Bruce go in the Hall of Fame. They really should. They 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 watched every game he was there. They deserve to see this man who who brought a lot of joy to them during that time go in and as a Ram with the footage from their games there being shown as highlights. Absolutely. The other Rams fans across the country, the franchise should also be able to celebrate him. They should also be able to. And I want to point this out and tell me if I'm wrong. And, and when I pointed this out last night, nobody dared answer this. If it really is about your city and your franchise and L.A. and their franchise, if if the franchise felt that way, um, hey, Mike, did the Rams put up the 1945 and 1951 championship banners at the end? And did they put the division title banners from the 1970s up? Where at? At the Edward Jones Dome in St. Louis. Uh, you know what? I don't remember. But I would imagine they probably had to be up somewhere, uh-huh. whether they were hanging <laughs> or yeah, yeah, or or inside the arena. Absolutely, they hung yeah, up. they absolutely were because St. Louis didn't own the Rams' name. They didn't own. It's like the equivalent of a of a company um, that had headquartered in St. Louis. And packed up its bags and moved somewhere else to escape taxes, to find, you know, better job conditions. That's what the Rams are. They're a company. And you, it was kind of funny because you point out something, too. Hey, where are the Rams uh, incorporated? Uh, Delaware. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know? <laughs> I mean, if we're honest about it, I just find it crazy. No, one more thing, too. I just want to point this out. Okay. St. Louis fans would be freaking ticked, livid, if the Rams franchise ignored Isaac Bruce when it came down to honoring the players of the past. Right. They would be ticked, livid. Yeah. Yet, hey, you, you St. Louis people, go do something for Isaac. Yeah, that would be not smart. No, but I think fortunately, I think fortunately for the case of many St. Louis fans, and we got to know a lot of when the team. Remember, we, we've been covering this franchise since 2013, so you know we covered the St. Louis Rams for a couple of years, and we had a largely St. Louis base. And unfortunately, when the team moved, we lost a lot of that base. But I don't blame them. Um, but they they were um, for the majority, not everybody, but the majority were really, really good-hearted people that love the team, were upset to see him go. I don't blame them for feeling the way they do. 
But they would be pretty darn ticked if the Rams franchise did not honor Isaac Bruce because he played in St. Louis most of the time. But yet, in this guy's case, he's claiming St. Louis. It's just silly to me. It's stupid. Where's the logic? Mike, you there? Yeah, man. It would just be, you know, you know, you hate to use words like travesty and all those kinds of things, but I just believe give a man credit where credit is due. Let's all be joyous of the occasion and not try to differentiate ourselves from this side of town versus that side of town. This sense, you know, this part of country versus that part of country. Let's just all be ramp rams across the board and just uh, cheer this guy on. I mean, some fans did choose to go cheer for somebody else, and I wouldn't blame them, but that doesn't mean we can't enjoy the fact that Isaac Bruce, together, again, um, is in the Hall of Fame. I do want to point one thing out, though. And this is why I made sure to differentiate between journalists, Mike, there, and yeah. between the fans. Because the fans, I'm going to say it again, I know some folks have some issues with a few of them, and that's fine, but most of the fans that I dealt with concerning St. Louis were just really great people, were very honorable people. Um, I remember uh, going out to a couple games and just having some people show us some really nice hospitality, and it, I still remember them. The journalists during that time frame, though, did a really poor job, and only a couple in the city really were honest about where, what was going on with the Rams in St. Louis. For the longest time, it was the sky's falling. The sky's not. The sky's not falling. You're all chicken littles. They're not going anywhere. He stands a, a Missouri guy, so on and so forth. And people like me are saying, "Look, he's moving. You, it's it's all the writings on the wall. You could tell it's out there. They're they're getting ready to move. Even as the team was meeting all the different points in the letters of the lease that showed exactly." how they would be freed from that lease, even when it came down to the arbitration. A lot of these dudes, and I'm not saying Claiborne, because I'm, I'm just, sorry, I'm not going to go back through his Twitter feed from three four years ago to make sure, uh, four or five years ago. But a lot of these people were the ones saying, oh, he's not going anywhere, and deceiving the fan base when they should have been saying, listen, fan base, you better get going. You better get hyped here. You better get into it and make your voices heard because you're about to lose your team. Very few of them did that, and before you know it, Cronky's out the door. Those fans never had a chance to really vote on a stadium because they never actually believed the team was going anywhere. Right, and, you know, I mean, quiet is kept. I mean, the Rams moved out there somewhat, Miss Frontieri, you know, a little bit of power play on hey, we can get some more money out of them. But, mm-hmm. again, St. Louis, great football town. I mean, they were the Cardinals, you know. So my first couple of years, Stump, Mitchell, and those guys were the team you go there and play and you know, a great football town. And so just like some of these other towns that have now gotten teams, Baltimore, uh, getting the Cleveland Browns, but – the idea that to just kind of claim this and claim that or, you know, since you left, you shouldn't come back or, you know, all these kinds of things is just a circular argument because in the sense of the organization is going to do what's in best, uh, in the best eyes of the organization based on who's owning it at the time. I mean, it was pretty clear what, how Kroenke valued things because Kroenke could have built a stadium out there anytime he wanted to. And then he went and spent a gajillion dollars. Building Inglewood, 
all in, no in, doubt. in private funds. So obviously he felt the investment was better suited out there. And um, there's no doubt in my mind, Crocky did some shady things <laughs> moving that team out there, uh, out of St. Louis, getting them out of there. But there's, to me, even now, many members of the, not all, the media out there in St. Louis have not held the city or the CVC accountable for their failings there. Because let's not forget the poison pill and all that jazz. That was in well, that John Shaw putting that contract. Right, right, right. Well, you you got to figure that when you look at, and again, you never knock another place. You know, I'm from a small town out here in Tascadero. But the idea is Mr. Cronky's a businessman. And so for his businesses, it's probably going to be a better fit. Hey, and you still got a large Ram fan base that was here. So it wasn't like the the Chargers trying to come here and can't really get their fan base going. No, the Rams have one. It's a matter of now putting a product that's worthy to go see, which has been accomplished. And so now you got a new stadium that will be opening. And so from a business standpoint, located less than probably five miles from LAX. So people can get in and out, Uber over to the stadium uh, some people almost might can walk it. I mean, it's 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 somewhat that close. So uh, it'll, it's going to be interesting to see long term. But again, you got a businessman who's going to do what's best in the best interest of, quote unquote, his business enterprises or enterprise mm-hmm. in this case, the Rams himself. So uh, but. Back to your point on on my man Isaac Bruce. I, I Bruce, I just think it's just outstanding that he's finally getting his just due. He deserves it, and I hope you know. Again, the fans in St. Louis, wonderful fans, and they deserve to have this guy Hall of Famer. And you know, he does deserve to go in as a St. Louis quote unquote Ram because that's where that's the name of the team when he played there. But he's still a Ram. And uh, so let's all enjoy him together. Let's all enjoy all the highlights and, and the, I'm sure the great speech he'll give in Canton this year. And But for people who, I and I again, scorn towards some of the members of the media there. That's where my scorn is. Right. And that's you where know? it should be because, again, pointed out the fans have been great. Like I said, I came through. It was the St. Louis fan base of Cardinals. But at the same time, if you're a football fan, I'm sure some of those converted, maybe not all of them, uh, but they had to have because they had pretty good attendance throughout. So uh, and just like the Rams were when they left L.A., everybody was like, what in the world? And then I can see that being the same, them leaving St. Louis when a team moves there, right? It's almost like, hey, I'm getting married. I'm moving to your hometown for you only to go, yeah, I just did that. You know, that would be, <laughs> that wouldn't feel too good. I yeah, I, I get you. I get you. Yeah, yeah. you know, with, with St. Louis, I'm saying about the fans, you remember the arbitration happened. They The, the, the judge had to pick between a, the St. Louis plan and the Rams plan. The Rams plan was through the, was through the roof, like for the moon. And the St. Louis plan was basically a low ball. And that was never something that the fans 
had a real shot at. They had only took a shot at, for those who were in L.A., uh, St. Louis put forth a stadium plan that was fine as an NFL stadium, but you could tell from Stan's basic design for the arbitration that's not what he was looking for. He was looking for a stadium that was going to host a Super Bowl, that was going to host Final Fours, and that wasn't happen. That was what he considered to be first here, and that was never going to happen. And it, but it was never even put before the voter out there. So, and again, I think part of that is Stan being really smart about it, but also media negligence. So that's where I'm going to leave it. Again, the St. Louis fans, great. I enjoyed my visits there. Some still really still great St. Louis fans listen to the show, and I'm sorry you lost your team. And I'm a and the St. Louis BattleHawks when they take the field this weekend, I'm going to cheer for them. I want them to do well. LA Wildcats as well for all the LA fans. For the XFL, we'll have to watch that, and um, hopefully they they do well. All right, so Mike. The Super Bowl, I'm going to, when we get to this here in a second, I'm going gonna, gonna to shut up. I'm going to just sit here and go zip because I want to hear you talk about the four hours of the Super Bowl and you're going to be uh, gonna be a kid in a candy store. Before we get there, <laughs> we're looking for sponsors for the 2020 year. Reach out to us at Rams1945 at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 657-665-4453. We have a media kit ready to get out to you. And also don't forget we're part of the, media, the Big Heads Media Podcast Network with lots and lots of great podcasts, including some of our own. That includes Talking Halos if you're an Angels fan. All right. So, Mike, 49ers lose 31-20 the Chiefs in the Super Bowl last night. Yes. How you feel about that, buddy? <laughs> well, I was, I was like, excited about these two teams playing because I knew it was going to be – I felt it would be a good game, you know. Uh, got a little trepidation in the sense of got a good buddy I play with who's now – some with the OC uh, with the Niners and John Embry. Then a guy I played many years against and considered him a friend as well, Eric Bieniemy on the other side in regards to him being the OC there and also being up for some head jobs this year. So, But it, as I told my players today in our meeting, at the end of the day, there's going to be a winner and a loser. I was pulling for the, the Chiefs in the sense of, I just can see the Niners getting another ring. Come on. So, especially before we get ours again, now that we actually have a viable team that should be in the hunt again next year. So, just looking forward to that happening. Come on, Rams. Let's go. But back to the uh, simple fact that uh, the Niners went down. I, I was I was pleased to say the least. I, I thought with seven minutes to go that here we go again. The Niners are going to be you know, talking a bunch of stuff out here and then just, you know, couldn't take it. So definitely glad that uh, KC went to their bag of tricks as they've been doing all playoffs and really throughout the year and were able to pull that win out. I enjoyed the game. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching St. Louis, uh, St. Louis, San Francisco. Go down there and basically give this one away. How, and I'm, I got to defend Kyle Shanahan for a second. People were on social media blaming Kyle Shanahan. That is not Shanahan's fault. That defense, that very, very good, normally very good 49er defense folded. Where was the pass rush the fourth quarter? Where did it go? 
what on earth happened to the defense, not the offense. I mean, I just want to point that out. Well, I mean, the fact is they were able to keep them, start keeping them out there a little bit longer. You know, it's different when you only rushing first down, second down, sack we're off the field. Now we go first down, second down, first down, first down, second down, third down, first down, first down, second down, first. You know what I mean? So now you're out there, you're going to get a little less momentum as you're trying to rush, a little more gas. And at the end of the game, we looked at it like a boxing match. You know, they just were working the body blows first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, halfway through the body blow started showing up and next thing you know that offense of the Chiefs started really getting going and you know you start seeing guys getting beat guys making plays and then I think more than anything the psychology of it all you know with the Chiefs being able to do that somewhat a lot this year come from behind and win you know did it throughout the playoffs so I think once they got it to 17 20 to 17 that's when I think mentally it was like uh oh come on guys we need to do it Frisco obviously seemed to start pressing turnover in key situation next thing you know uh they finished with another 14 unanswered points another 14 unanswered points but it was I, I mean I put I mean I on talking halos I the guys would all pick the game and I said I thought the fronts are going to win. And it was that front seven I thought would make a big difference. And A, the Chiefs offensive line stood in. They did a great job. But that 49er front seven, they played a lot of big games this year against some very, very good opponents. And all of a sudden, now they gas out? Are we serious? <laughs> right. Now they gas out? <laughs> Right. But I mean, you look at it, 21 answered points in the fourth quarter, man, that's that's huge. I mean, it is. It's huge. And and for anybody to say, well, it was all Patrick Mahomes. Well, a lot of it is. But go back and watch that fourth quarter again. There wasn't a whole ton of pressure there at all. Period. And this is a, a front seven that, man, you, you saw what they did the Rams. You saw what they did to a lot of teams this year. That right, front seven. right. And now you gas out. Yeah, you, you got to figure, again, seven points, seven minutes left, you're up still uh, ten points. And mm-hmm. so you figure they'll, they should be able to close it out, but – once uh, they hit that big play on uh, Tyreek Hill, caught that big pass, or was it? Yeah, Tyreek caught one, but then uh, 14 uh, was with us. Receiver. Yeah. Sammy Watkins. Uh, and it's weird yeah, to me that Walkins. Sammy Watkins walks. Gets <laughs> right. that nice big deal. Um, hasn't been not been great in terms of health or for the right. Chiefs, but man, he was money last night. He was money, you he know, when money. he needs to. So now when you look at Super Bowl uh, history, he's going to be a guy that showed up big in this one. You know what I mean? And so it will time will tell if they can try to get back here next year. But in the meantime, yeah, I just saw, you know, just like a uh, 
15 round bout and now we're in round 13 round 14 and that wear and tear and now wear and tear maybe from the whole season and year or just the emotion of okay guys we got to go out here and get a stop just starts kind of and the next thing you know big play big play first down first down score okay we got plenty of time to go down. It's only a four-point lead. We just need to put it put it in the end zone. But that in a little bit is a psychologically uh, deflator as well. It's a lot different if they only need three points regardless in regards to having to get seven. Because now you have to score. It's a lot different than when you got to get down in field goal range and kick it and tie it up. So all those things came back to put the win in the KC Chiefs pocket and by the way the Chiefs I think what they proved down the stretch here and I think overall if you put the whole body of work together this year Baltimore was probably the best team from beginning to end this year right but that Chiefs team once they got it going man is there any question now they were the best team in the league yeah and, and but you bring up a good point it goes to prove, or this proves, I think, our case, or both agreeing in regards to the Bravens being the best team, but that particular day, and that's what makes sports what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, on a particular day, especially at the NFL level, any team can be any team. And if certain things go right, then it's a wrap. I mean, who would have thought Green Bay coming out of the frigid Lambeau field, coming into a warmer climate, would not be able to do anything? You know what I mean? So it's like, wow, that's interesting. You guys know money's on the line. Next game is Super Bowl and like literally lay an egg and you go like, wow, that's interesting. So I just love the idea of sports being any given day, anything can happen. And we saw just that happen when every a lot of people were pulling against the Chiefs based on that front seven from Frisco. And I'm like, well, you guys got to remember they have a good passing attack. They have a decent running attack. And so end of the day, you also have Steve Spagnolia who can call a defense. So I just didn't see how it was going to be San Francisco blowing out the Chiefs. And I think we saw at halftime with the score being 10-10, to 10, it was going to be a good game down to the finish. Well, I was one of the guys who, who cited that front seven. I thought that would be the difference maker. I, didn't, I thought really? it would be a close game, sure. I And that's yeah, why I mean, I'm so hard is. on the 49ers. That front seven is nasty. And to to tell me that all things considered because to me I saw them I saw it pretty much as a push. The Kansas City offense is better. The to me the 49ers defense was was better. And I always will take defense over offense when it comes down to a game. But that defense just I mean it fell apart. It fell apart in the fourth quarter. And there's a number of reasons for it, I guess, you know, fatigue or so on and so forth. But you can't get fatigued in the Super Bowl, man. You can't Well but, but again that goes to because if you look at it, it wasn't like, I mean, they gave up the play. I mean, Tyreek Hill, he ran that corner route. I mean, he was blazing up the scene. The safety is like, uh-oh, let me turn inside and get ready for this dude to run this post. And then he broke it back off to the corner. But even on that play, Holmes was about to get hit 
but was able to get enough on it because Tyreek Hill still had to wait for the ball. And so, but it ended up being a win, you know, catches it and then they end up scoring. And then the same thing with Sammy Watkins. It wasn't like, oh, Richard, old man, Richard Sherman just got his doors blew off. No, the dude ran a good route and then Holmes threw it outside away from the safety and Watkins had just enough step on him to now make a play. But those things are, I would say, improvised. The, the route probably was more or less uh, designed to come inside or stay up the scene. Pat Holmes, though, threw it outside and the receiver adjusted. So well, it would be back. interesting. I want to go back to the original. Um, I just pulled a highlight there just to make sure I out the right. Sorry for that extra noise. But going back to that original play, though, where Mahomes threw it up, the receiver was not just open. He was he was out on an island. He could have been in Kansas City from Miami. <laughs> I mean, he was beat. And that's because he's likely, like, I can't announce the whole highlight, but he's probably looking in the backfield as Mahomes is rolling left because there was a little bit of pressure there. In the end... The Chiefs' offense did not play well for much of the game. They did not run the ball much until later in the game. You know, the the stats are deceptive. Mahomes was 26 of 42 for 286, uh, two touchdowns, two interceptions. But going in the fourth quarter, those numbers weren't pretty. Let's just say that. It got the point during at some point in the game where Travis Kelsey was getting a carry. So. Damian Williams pulls things out later that nice run for the to kind of put the nail in it, but the Chiefs were stymied for much of the game. The 49ers defense gave them problems, but when this is what I'm trying to say, when the push came to shove, the 49ers defense collapsed. And that, by the way, is not a criticism of them. We've seen the Rams collapse their fair share this year. This is not me being a hypocrite. I'm just saying, at the, in that situation, I'm, I I just blows my mind that a front seven that talented fell apart like the way it did. Well, one thing that uh, again, you you talk about adjustments, and I think you know a lot of credit goes to the quarterback and this and that, but I think a lot of credit has to go to Andy Reid and his mm. demeanor. Yeah, you know Absolutely. what I mean. He doesn't, like, get all worried. And he's like, man, guys, we've been here. And literally, uh, between him and Eric Benny, the enemy, they dialed up some plays down the stretch that turned into plays. And so we call that making adjustments. So they made those adjustments down the stretch. And as much as uh, everyone has been kind of praising uh, Kosala, I believe, for the defensive stance and things that he's been able to do with the 49er defense at the end of the day you would see that they were bringing guys in motion they were chipping on both sides of the ball helping out their outside tackles on that upfield rush just to buy a little bit more time all those things played into the advantage of KC being able to make plays down the stretch and they did and I don't want to get from Kansas City by the way in terms of the front side right. Pat Mahomes Proved why he's one of the best in that fourth quarter as well. He there was 
he even if he didn't have a great game coming into that fourth quarter, he was everything you'd want out of a franchise quarterback. Everything you'd want. And he deserves every accolade he's getting afterwards. So that's the show. Uh, a little bit of trash talking on the 49ers. Um, <laughs> uh, congrats to Isaac Bruce. Any closing thoughts for us, Mike? Man, just uh, congrats, 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 uh, Isaac, my man. Uh, proud of you, youngster. I can call him that. Uh, but just so <laughs> proud of him that, uh, man, he's just able to hang in there. And, you know, his work has spoken. And now he's a Hall of Famer. He'll be wearing a nice gold jacket. And we'll be there. We will be there this summer to cover it. So for Mike, the entire team, you can follow him at one duke 23 on Twitter. You can find me at DC Paul. You can find us, the Rams Talk team, at Talk Rams. Don't forget the Rams Talk on that webpage where we got some writers. And we're looking for more. We're looking for more writers to come in and, and uh, give their views. And we'll train you, by the way. And you can also find us on Facebook at Rams Talk Room as well. We have a group and a page. Go check it out. So, for Mike, for everybody here at Ramstock, we'll see you midweek. That's right, midweek. We're back to two a week. Have a great one. Have a great one. Yeah, we are out of here. Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rivals. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday always have a plan for a sober ride. DC police are arresting drunk and drug drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. Message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.